Yo, John Fitch here. How's everybody doing today? Uh, extra special show today. I got a special guest today. Gonna have a good talk at Lattimore. Former pro boxer, and uh, now he's a he's a Twitter master, master of Twitter, amongst other things. Author. Uh, got a lot of relatable stories to tell about his uh, upbringing. Uh, yeah, it's gonna be a fun interview. I think I'll play a little something classy before. We get started, though. go ed hey what's going on man can you hear me yeah i can hear you loud and clear excellent to hear man excellent to hear you had a nice little uh what was that for elise i think some beethoven. yep little little beethoven i do weddings <laughs> <laughs> need those multiple revenue streams right yeah man you need those these days because not a single one is stable uh, the idea is to build them all up in the rivers, but if they all started streams, uh, that's still better than relying on just one. That, that's the yeah. way I think about things. 100%. Um, yeah, so for people who don't know, you were a professional boxer. Uh, when, did, when did you retire from boxing? You know, man, you know, it's crazy. My last fight uh, in the ring was December, I think it was like 16th. 2016. I was getting, I took all of 2017 off and I was getting ready for a fight in the middle of 2018, I think July to be specific. And uh, I got injured during sparring. And, and you know, a lot of stuff had changed in my life in that short amount of time. It was really interesting. It was, uh, the injury happened in May. And in, and that was the same month simultaneously. I graduated with my degree. I finished the degree in physics. And I also had my first uh, $10,000 plus, well, five-figure month from, from internet sales. And my coach was just like, like, you know, I'm your friend. What are you doing, man? Like, your life is good. I mean, you, 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 you pretty much did what every fighter kind of strives to do. Go enjoy your life. And, yeah. and, I, and you know, and, and, and if, if a lot of people, if they had said that to me, I'd be like, man, fuck you. I'm, not, you know, I'm doing what I want to do. Um, but no, I mean, he had, a, he had a good point. And, and at this point in my life, I, I really, I was, I was really happy with how far I came. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, fighting, as you know, uh, fighting is one of those things. It's, it's very transformative if you let it be. Yes. Uh, a lot of people resist, a lot of guys resist the transformation because, because to be a good fighter, you know, I always tell people, I always joke, I say, in the next life, I'm gonna be a rock star because this shit is not like it's not a party. Like it is very mm-hmm. much, you, you got to be disciplined and on it, man. Otherwise, it'll show, and and you don't have time to to, to yep. ball, fool around. And so, so I got a lot. I mean, like a lot out of boxing, not just uh, physically, but in terms of how I develop. Man, I was like, you know, let me take these these talents on the run and see how things are going. And I and I had toyed with with coming back and fighting. But I said I'd never be a heavyweight again. But my body just is not 
going under 215 pounds <laughs> like shit like it's just not going i mean i could like yeah. if i really if, if they were like yo bro jake paul wants to you, have you, you get to like, a certain age you get to a certain <laughs> age you, you want to have the cookie yeah exactly and then yeah. not enjoying you know what's crazy i still you know people are amazed like i'm helping my coach right now get a guy ready yeah so, so i'm still up there sparring yeah i've been um, going on the last couple of weeks I've, i'm yeah. like 20 pounds heavier than my normal Oh around. yeah, for sure. He he asked me. He's like, "Yo, how how much do you weigh?" I was like, yeah, "I'm like two thirty-five. Like, you look two twenty-five. Like, yeah, but I'm but I'm not. When we were fighting, I was fighting like two fifteen, man. Like like moving and grooving. I'm never like I don't want to say never, but I'm never gonna be two fifteen fighting shape again. That will, because that that's a different life, and I'm just not interested in that life anymore. You know? Yeah, like we met once before, and when I met you, I was still fighting, and uh, I was fighting right, 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 right. So like. I'm probably 40 pounds heavier. I've been lifting and putting on muscle mass because I know I'm just never going to weigh less than oh, dude, see, isn't 20 it, again. Isn't that something that a lot of people don't understand? Like, dude, you said it right on. I said, you know, I, I told the kid yesterday, I said, dude, you know, I've been lifting. Like, I, mm -hmm. I can do that. <laughs> I can, yeah. like, really put on muscle and, like, fill out. But you, you made a good point about the lessons from fighting, and that's something that I try to tell a lot of people is that everybody, everybody on some level needs to know how to fight. Yeah. You know, Absolutely. you know, because it's it's not just like, oh, I'm going to get attacked, you know, because it's safe out. It's fairly safe. Uh, the chances of you getting attacked are, are pretty slim. You know, uh, it looks scary and dangerous out there, but you should at least know something. And and it's more about the transformation that happens when you start learning how to fight and how to defend yourself. Because, like, you start to learn pretty quick that you can't abuse your body and be out of shape and, and be overweight. <laughs> you know, you learn pretty quick. They're like, oh, Jesus, like. It doesn't matter how good these techniques are, and There's no matter what I do, yeah. like if I'm if I'm beating myself up, if I'm drinking too much, I'm smoking too much, if I'm eating too much processed food, and I'm not doing any cardio, if I'm I'm, I'm never taking the stairs, like a thirty second scramble, and you're gonna have a heart attack. Yeah, that, dude. You know, <laughs> I. I I always, I always say, you know, I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm in great shape compared to the regular population, man. Yes. Like, and the, because they're little things that I'll never stop doing. Like, like I'll always run. And you know, I know a lot of guys in the like the bro lifting community that I'm, that I'm kind of part of now. They're like, oh, you don't need to do cardio. I'm like, no, you don't need to do cardio. I'm like a damn husky, man. Like, like I need yeah. it. Like that's part of my soul, man. I gotta go out there, yeah. you know, and beat my legs, that's like, like for a, 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 a lot of. Um... <laughs> A lot of cardio, I think, is like a way of, of uh, meditating. Yep, I, I do it absolutely. A lot of you times can, you can occupy a lot of stuff and then just focus on what you need to for a little while. And the other thing we talk about too is in, in this whole the whole transformation that goes on is is uh, one of my buddies called it turning down the noise and not always stuck with me. It's like after you you've been hit and you push through and you continue to fight. Mm -hmm. And you do this, you realize that the world is not, you know, like there's just nothing that's really that difficult or dangerous. And you're real, you're real calm. Like I have a calm, man. I can, I can you, know, you don't meet anxious fighters, man. Like, like I've never mm -hmm. met uh, a fighter that's always in his head. Like that's not even, even guys that are like kind of head cases aren't really hit, like really head cases. Mm -hmm. It's more like, you know, doubting themselves in the fight, but they still understand that it's a fight and they get in there and that, that makes the rest of the world seem so muted and yeah. so, so I don't want to say dull, but unsurprising. 
is the best way to put it. Like, I mean, yeah, like for me, I you know, I've been punched in the face, I've been kneed in the face. <laughs> you know, like yeah. mo most most rooms or most situations I walk into probably aren't gonna be that severe. Yeah, and you can you can rest be rest assured that, that you can handle most of what's coming and the worst it's gonna do, what's it gonna do? Choke you out, break your nose. Okay, you've been there, you know it ain't that bad. Like you don't want it to happen to you, but if it does, you're like, Okay, well, man, then, I know what yeah. to do. When you get to a certain level too, though, you're the average person has no chance of doing much damage to you. Yo, that that's true. You know, you know what that reminds me of, man. I'm always I, when I watch these fight videos. Uh, I, I don't. I'm not like just sitting around watching them. I don't want to paint that picture. But, mm. but when one comes across on the internet, my uh, my first thought is, man, thank goodness these guys don't know how to throw a punch. They do some yeah. real damage. Like I'm looking at them, like 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 a lot of these guys, you could probably like let them hit you and just roll with it, and you'd be okay. Yep. They just break their hand on the first punch, you know, because it's just, yeah, like it's, it's, it's people always ask me what's the best martial art to learn for self defense. And I was like, anything's better than nothing. Right. Even if I've seen Wun Chu guys whipping their arms around and be able to make a connection and knock somebody out uh, over somebody who just knows the universal punch and is thrown over hands. There's no idea. No, no, nothing from the hip. No, <laughs> no straight line punches, anything. It's just, it's just wilding out there and hoping something connects something like and, and who knows it'll go, go to him, but, but it won't be, but, but, but I mean, I guess that's kind of good. I mean, uh, I certainly tell no, I tell everyone do not street fight. Like I like, I'm, like in real life, I'm a pacifist to the core yeah. because, because I understand like how bad it can get. Like if I, if I hit somebody on the right angle, I got a lot of problems and, uh, yeah. and they're going to all be legal and I can't fight my way out of those. No, so, I, I, I did a little <laughs> self-defense uh, clinic at the park in San Francisco this weekend. I was telling the guys like, they're talking about what if there's somebody on your car and you can't get them off? I was like call the cops. Like, like if they won't, if they won't leave, like don't get engaged. Cause like, if you hit them, they find out you got a lot of money. Now you're getting sued. Even if there's no yeah. legal charges, like you, you're possibly getting sued because you hit somebody you, you knew yeah. how, especially in an environment like San Francisco. So you get a jury that's like, well, he knew how not to hurt him. So he shouldn't have. Yeah. There's no, there's no win either. You yeah. either you'll be we held liable anyway, or hurting anyway, 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 another day. That's your yeah. win. Or this guy's crazy and doesn't give a shit about going to jail. And now you got to deal with that. So, so no matter what, man, I tell people all the time, look, I, I don't care what you say about me. I'm going to be around to hear it is the point. If I stick around and try to defend my honor, I might not be able to hear how, oh, man, because you're not going to be like, oh, that's so hard. You still feel like, no, you're be like, what a dumbass. Like, yeah, because I know, like, I know. So I don't need to. <laughs> go prove anything or yeah, like, yeah like, get into those situations. Every young guy was asking me about well, you know what do you do when somebody says this i was like nothing he's like you don't have to defend your honor i was like why, why <laughs> my honor like, it's some bum i've never seen before in my life they have no no influence at least at least come to the gym and sign a waiver right like if you really want to do it i had a buddy I had a buddy who used to talk about he wanted to fight, and I said, "You mean like like come to the gym, man? I'm in the gym." He's like, "Nah, man, I you know street fight." I'm like, "You don't really want to do that, man." Like like I'm telling you, like it sounds cool, but, but what you what you want to do is be cathartic. Is what I found. A lot of people just want to like express themselves. They don't want to like learn to actually fight because learning to fight forces you to control yourself and you find out you really don't want to do it you you want to walk away you want to solve problems you want to talk yeah. you want everything to to happen you're before. From, from the first professional fight i had to the last you there's a moment where you're like what am i doing like why am i here 
It's like, I'm, I'm a college graduate. I don't have to do this. I'm going to fight somebody in my underwear. And then you start realizing, you know, you start talking yourself through the process that you should have visualized ahead of time and you get past it. And like I've, I've seen other I've seen other fighters have kind of breakdowns and, and you know, before like, I, I don't want to do this. I don't need to do this. Is it too late? Like, well, the, the mental aspect is is an interesting one because because mm -hmm. here's what I think, you know, every at, at every level, every test, uh, there's 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 no real way to cheat. Right. Like. If you aren't up here and physically ready and in your heart, if everything is like not together, it's gonna come out because because you're in a you're in a an elevated uh sort of thing by yourself in front of a lot of spectators that you're an amateur or professional. If if you're not really up here together, it's gonna show. Mm -hmm. And and a lot of guys can't handle the pressure. One of the, one of my uh stories I like telling people. When I was an amateur, there was this guy. He, he showed up to the gym, and he was he was doing okay. I think he won his first like non amateur fights, and he he invited some girls to his tenth fight. And I remember him coming up to me, going, "He was like, hey man, I invited like three, three, four girls, and they all came. I don't know what to do afterwards." And I was like, "Well, <laughs> how about you?" I, I, I said, "You know, why don't you just win the fight?" Like. Then figure it out. He goes, "Hi, right, cool. yeah." <laughs> and and this guy, you know, in amateur boxing, uh, you even at the heavyweight, you don't see a lot of outright stoppages where like the, the ref, yeah. like which would be a KO, right? But, like the mm -hmm. is like this is over. This guy got KO'd, man. It, well, to the to the body, man. He just got beat down, and uh, it was very. I mean, everybody hates losing in front of people. It sucks. But don't you know? You know, we he he called the coach uh, two or three days later. And he said, yeah, I don't think this is for me. Now, this is a guy who had already won his non-fights prior to. Yep. Right? But but one loss shakes him up. And and that's the kind of thing that you got to be able to, you know, deal with. And I think, and it just makes a, I hate to use the cliche, but but really makes a man out of you taking these lumps and, and working through them. You keep going, keep going through, even though you've had the failure. Is it a, is it a loss or is it a lesson? Yeah. So you know, I didn't I didn't know that about you. Uh so you are you went to college and then you fought. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's that's very I, uh, <laughs> I had a I had assistant coach who was uh who fought, his name Tom Erickson, and he was fighting in Japan and stuff like that. And he would have some of his friends come to town and I would work out with them and they told really cool stories about hanging out with like Japanese mobsters and hookers in Brazil and all this other stuff. And I was like, that sounds amazing. And I was getting ready to be a school teacher. <laughs> yeah, so, okay, like, wait, wait. So there's another guy. Um, in the, is Chael Sonnen? Is that who I'm thinking of? Chael, yeah. He was yeah, a, he's a, a bunch of wrestlers that have been pretty successful. Oh, right, because to wrestle, you guys got to go to college. Right, okay. That, yeah. That's a uh, – yeah, okay, that that makes a lot of sense, man. Very different culture in, in MMA compared to boxing. Not a lot it of not, I don't think I've met any college degree holders in boxing. I'm trying to I'm trying to think, man. <laughs> not not a lot. Yeah. Uh, I know I have one, but I got that like at the end of my career. I didn't enter the sport after I had my degree. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's uh that's that's usually yeah, there's a lot of guys who went to college or at least a few years in college if they didn't graduate um, and then went off into fighting because it's really just a, there's, we don't have a professional sport unless we make a national team and the national team doesn't get paid. Like, you know, the guys, the big wrestling countries like Russia or whatever, those okay. guys are millionaires because the wrestling's big there, but here, 
I think I I think it's a conspiracy. My conspiracy theory is that they're suppressing masculinity, so they they <laughs> they make wrestling less popular. Yeah, you know, uh, speaking of the wrestling, so I watched. Um, I want I want I want you to give me your your uh, feedback on this because I don't know anything about wrestling. You know, I, mm-hmm. I'm all boxing. I mean, the closest I got to wrestling, man, I did a little like I, I was this close to get my um my blue. And then I decided to focus entirely on fighting because when I first started fighting, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. So I did everything for a year. Yeah. And then I said, okay, I'm built. Boxing looks like my best bet. But I watched this movie on the airplane, uh, Foxcatcher. Yeah. And and it, it made it made wrestling seem like it was not, I mean, not as bad as boxing, right? There was certainly some structure. Uh, outside of the Olympic level and everything like that, and some people well, interested, but but they made it seem like those guys were were gold medalists, but kind of on the on the outs. They yeah, they, there's no there's that's one of the reasons why I chose fighting. Um, there was a uh, older upperclassman named Tim Dernland who who was all American. Uh, he was a senior when I was a freshman, and he was trying to make a national team. And when I was getting ready for my senior year, he had he had just tried to make the national team and. I think he might have placed in like the top six or top eight or something. He did pretty well, but like he came back to visit and his, he was just beat up. His face is beat up. He's limping. Ears are messed up and he's, he's broke. He was recently married and living in his mom's basement with his wife. And like, man. he, I was like, man, you put yourself through all this shit in like the last four years to like come in six. And like, you have nothing but your pride, which was fine for him, which is great for him. He's he, he had a happy life, went on to coaching, teaching everything like that he's doing awesome in Ohio. But like, for me, I was like, that ain't cutting it, man. Like I heard this guy Mark Coleman and, and Tom Erickson talking about yeah. making twenty-five to a hundred thousand dollars per fight, and then if they did wow. a really nice fight, the Yakuza would like hand him an envelope of cash. And I was like, that sounds really cool. Like, <laughs> like, I, I'd rather try that than try to make a national team. So like, I, you so know, so how it, much? So so did you ever get any of those uh, envelopes of cash? Uh, no, I never got a fight. Um, I did. I had to fight in Japan once. I got a sweatshirt. Somebody give me a sweatshirt. Okay, that's not not a not an envelope. Yeah, cat, yeah Japanese but... fight, Japanese fans are awesome. They give you stuff. <laughs> that's really cool, man. So so now, now most guys when they come out of the like I guess what percentage of wrestlers go on to MMA? Is it is it a high I mean, percentage or do not a ton? Not a ton. Really? I mean, like still like a lot of people just don't like getting hit in the face. Yeah, <laughs> no, I, I don't. No one like here's a, I tell guys, no, no one likes getting hit in the face. Yeah, just, no one uh, likes it, and some people refuse to like stand <laughs> for it. You know, like we'll take a few punches for some money and a chance at you know glory, but like yeah, people who get hit once and they're like, yeah, no, it's not for me. Yeah, you know, okay, that that makes a lot of sense. I, I find I find that there are a lot of. uh a lot of differences in the psychology of of a of a boxer and a wrestler, and getting to, getting to be around a lot of them because because around here, I mean, I'm in Western PA, and I guess from what I understand, Pennsylvania is a great wrestling state. Great wrestling state, yeah. A lot a lot of guys um, have come through here and then went on to fight in the UFC who are who are great wrestlers in college. And so just, just seeing that, knowing that, and then seeing kind of their attitude about, about striking, because I had spar a lot of these guys coming up, uh, just, just different. Um, boxers are, are really kind of deranged in this way. Uh, and, and I think I think it's it's the nature of the, the game is that you just you just get used to it. 
and you you have to get used to it coming up and it's like yeah. you guys you know well, what's okay what, what's bane saying in the dark night he goes you know you merely adopted the darkness i was born into it it's kind of like striking it's like you really you know adopted yeah. striking i was born into it and i think it changed i think the thing really changes uh the relationship with pain when i was um the first real injury i had i was an amateur and i got i got punched in the eye but by Charles Martin, who went on to become heavyweight champ, has the distinction of being the second shortest heavyweight champ. But we used to train together out in LA and um, hit me in the eye. I was sparring and I was like, ah, my eye, that hurts. Whatever, let's keep going, all right? And it hurt a little bit afterwards, but you get just so used to getting hit, you're just like, oh, right, it's pain. Uh, take a day off, come back, spar the next day, and I'm sparring some other kid. And he, uh, he, he shoulder shrugged me trying to make space and we were in a clinch and it hurt so much i've stopped sparring three times in my life and that was one of them and i said i don't know what's wrong but this isn't right and we went and got a, a pet scan and i had a i had a blowout fracture and needed surgery but if well, but here's the thing about that i got the fracture from the punch by charles and it was the same kind of pain. The only difference is I was in the middle of a fight. So I was like, yeah, it's supposed to hurt, right? Mm -hmm. At this time, I hadn't taken one shot. And I was like, oh, this ain't quite. This is not right. And you, you get this relationship with getting hit. And I think I think there's a there's a lot of good that comes from being able to work through that. But you end up doing dumb shit. Like, like I probably wouldn't have needed surgery if I had went immediately. I was like, oh, something's wrong here. Uh, but, you know. It's just, just no, like, yeah, that's the uh, <laughs> the difference of like being able to to take it if you do get hit, but like you're not trying to like walk through a bunch of punches. No, no, just no. Try not, to, try not to get hit anymore. Yeah, you know, uh, I, I get a lot get of that in MMA. <laughs> I get I get a lot of messages from guys, and they're like, "Yeah, man, I'm thinking about fighting, but uh, I'm worried about." CTE and I'm worried about brain injury and I'm like you don't want to even do this then don't even because like the thing is like if you're worried about that first of all I like to you know set the record straight on kind of a fighters podcast uh whenever talk whenever people talk about CTE that stands for chronic traumatic encephalopathy right uh the 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 t is obvious traumatic and encephalopathy is like brain damage but what's key to focus on is the c the the chronic the long then chronic is over time okay you got to take a lot yeah. of headshots over time uh if, if you're training at any kind of reputable gym you should not take anywhere close to the amount of shots to trigger cte your typical high school student who plays football has a greater chance of dealing you know probably yeah. you know has a greater chance because of the amount of trauma he takes to the head during yeah. practice especially if he plays um an all-contact position like like if he's an old lineman or something like every play yeah. he's, every he's, you know, he's, he's grinding but in but in fighting you know mo you're slipping you look if you look at like compu box numbers on a fight like less than 30 percent of the shots you are even like towards the head let alone the ones that land it is it's a false worry but it's a risk i can't be in i i, I couldn't like it'd be foolish for me to say to a guy yeah you know it'd be all right you know you, 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 your head will never be in danger you'll come out with all your faculties and no problem I know, but it's a real risk. But the thing is, if you go into the fight worrying about that risk, then you're not going to perform well. You, you can't even defend well because what are they, what are they teaching defense? The you're, you're not you're not trying to win. You're not trying to make a miss because you're trying to win. You're just trying not to get yeah. hurt. 
like, like it's one of the things you know there i think there's little like steps along the way to like show if you'll be able to go to the next level and how far mm-hmm. you'll be able to go and i think one of those things is when you learn uh how to slip a punch and and when you slip a punch the idea is you know not to make a mess by a mile you want to make a mess by yeah. a hair so you're you're in position to counter and do damage when he's you know getting back in position. But to do that, you gotta you gotta you gotta do something very unnatural. Uh, rather than flinch, rather than cover up, you gotta stare down the punch and then get to the outside of it. And that's very that's, that's very uh, different for our nervous system. And a lot of people yep. are not built to do it. And I'm like, people, people turn away. They and they when they turn away and they pull back, they usually put themselves in perfect range to land. Uh, have that punch, punch land with the most power. Yep. But you gotta you gotta challenge a punch, punch head on, and just it's like running at the train. You run at the train and jump off the tracks at the last second. <laughs> there's a yeah. I mean, there, there's so many wonderful little analogies like that in fighting that that really translate into other areas of life. One of the stories I, I have it on my website that I that I talk about. So so I have my my degrees in physics and that is that is not a slouch of degree. Very proud of that degree. Uh I don't use it for anything, but I'm proud that I completed the the, the level of rigor to do that. And here's the thing, right? It's a heavy math degree. I failed almost all my math classes in high school. I got an article about this. I, I, wrote, I wrote it to prove something. And that's how I actually ordered my transcripts, right, from high school. So I could put up, take, take screenshots and put them on the uh, article so, so people could see I was terrible. But when I decided that I wanted to, to, to get better at math, the thing that gave me the faith and the confidence that I'd be able to do that is because I started fighting. And I watched myself go from this, this uncoordinated, gangly, all punching like like you know swinging haymaker kind of kid somebody who understood how and, and to say kid is actually inaccurate i didn't start fighting until i was 22 uh mm-hmm. to do all this and be sharp become a national champion as an amateur and get a ranking and get signed as a professional and really have a good career i said if i can do that for my body why can't i do this for my mind and and if it wasn't for fighting uh i don't think i would have ever been able to, to do that and that kind of confidence. Okay, I figured out how to, to be a fighter. What else can I do? Okay, I can be a writer. I can I can grow on a, on a website, get a degree in physics. I can learn Spanish. You know, all these things. It all started with that that confidence uh, from from being a fighter, man. And I think it's I think it's a great disservice the the young men today. I don't think everybody should be a pro. I do think everybody no. should, should take on an amateur fight because because the stakes are very low. It's a three round. I don't know. Well, well, amateur MMA is a different animal. That that's yeah, yeah, it's a completely different animal. That's, that's basically pro, but you don't it's, get it's, paid it's, as it's much. Yeah, we, we, that's something I wanted to get into later. Uh, but like, yeah, the differences between boxing and MMA and some of the BS we have to deal with. But yeah, it's a different animal because I would I don't I don't really suggest fighters in MMA fight amateur. Like unless you have like zero amateur competition experience, you haven't wrestled amateur, you haven't done jujitsu amateur, like maybe then because you want to see how the pressure feels. But like they're still using four ounce gloves. Yep. Maybe maybe they have shin pads on some places they don't. They still can head knee to the head. There's still knockouts. Like you're still getting arm bar, but you're not you're not getting paid. And on top of it, you have to like sell tickets to the show. Like you have. Oh to be- man, people don't. Oh man, we, we you gotta you gotta talk about it. You gotta talk about it because a lot of a lot of people 
everybody sees with the top, right? It's yeah. like a, it's like an iceberg. Everybody sees the top, and they go, "That's an impressive iceberg," and they think everything. Well, and the reality is, the only reason why that iceberg looks impressive is because of everything that's holding it up and supporting it from the bottom. Mm -hmm. Man, let me tell you, I sold tickets to all my shows until until I got signed, and then even when I got signed, they were like. Yo, can you sell some tickets? I'm like, no, motherfucker, like you saw me, so I don't have to do that. But you gotta sell show me. You gotta mm -hmm. otherwise, and here's the thing: I don't know how it works in MMA. Um, I, I did two amateur MMA fights as as I um as an amateur, lost them both, it's miserable. Uh got choked out in the other and lost the other one on points. And it, and it was it was a horrible experience, but but it didn't look it wasn't too different from pro. I mean, uh yeah. it was in Ohio, uh, and the rules. There was no headgear, no shin gear. Um, same regular four ounce gloves. What I remember is that there was some rule about like how I could throw my elbows. Like like they called it like twelve yeah. six or something like you that. Can't go yeah twelve to six. You can't go straight down. Okay, that's what it is, right? That's the only rule that like was, was different. But I still had to sell tickets to cover to cover me and my opponent uh, as an as a fighter. As a professional boxer, you mm -hmm. have to sell enough tickets to cover you, cover your opponent, cover the insurance costs. Otherwise, the promoter's got to look at you. To, and then now, if you got a if you got a promoter who's your boy who's trying to like help you along, that's one thing. Or if you got a, a monetary backer, because people don't realize the fights cost money. It's like any yeah. other sport. The difference is the networks mm -hmm. love the big four, uh, the NFL, NBA, NHL. And uh, that other one, uh, baseball, right? Yeah, MLB. That uh, people love those sports, and there's already built a network, but not so much for fighting. So these fighters, we got to come yep. up. We got to sell tickets to support our show. If you can't sell enough tickets, you know what happens to you? <laughs> you end up on the beach side. You end up on the you. You end up being being called in. They let you. They let you fight a bunch of cans, guys that like do barely have a pulse. And then when you've when you've built your record up on the backs of tomato cans, they'll they'll have a real prospect, a real killer, and they'll go, "There's a good guy. There's a great guy to market this fight against. He's got 13 and 0. We can sell that to the network. Let's give him eight grand. He ain't gonna win anyway. We know, like, and they know you're not like. There's no chance. Like like they they, they hype you up, make you think you know, there's no chance. And because they're, they're smart people that run this stuff, way smarter than people give credit for. And they're not gonna let anyone come in and just mess it up. So they go, they look at you and they go, like you should worry when they go, wow, you got a great record. We're gonna give you a shot. And it ain't really like now, now they have it set up to where if they're surprised, they're gonna benefit. Like you'll have to sign with their promotion, but they know you're not gonna surprise them. You'll be but you'll be you'll you'll you'll, you'll cash out that good record and um and be good. Like I remember when I lost, I got I, the fight I lost, I got paid eighty five hundred for. Actually, I got it was like twelve five, I think. Um, but then I got an offer again. I got an offer in two weeks to come fight. For twenty grand against a guy who I probably I, I wasn't gonna be like I knew I wasn't certainly not where I was at in my life. Maybe maybe what if I had nothing else to do, I beat him. But they're not calling me because they think I can beat them. Mm. They 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 look the fight. No, and they yeah, say, I got I got called to, to my first <laughs> boxing match uh, against Bodu Jack on the uh, oh Bodu Jack yeah man that, that, on the, the on the yeah on the Tyson <laughs> card. Yeah, he offered me twenty grand for that. I was like, yeah, he's already, yeah, yeah. he's already cruiserweight. 
I ended up I ended up fighting my last MMA fight instead. Yeah, dude, I'm telling you, they these it's a it's a smart game, it's a smart system. So I mean, um, like with, with 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 MMA though, we have a situation where like we have the one dominant uh, promotion where all fighters basically at some point have to go and fight for that promotion. It's the only way to like maximize your earnings because they're the only ones that do successful uh, pay-per-views. They're the, they're the top belt. So no promoter really invests into their fighters because they know if their fighter gets popular and good, eventually he's going to leave. Yeah. So, so they, they leave all the marketing up to the fighter themselves to do like there's certain, there's promotions that will tell you straight up, like you need this many followers for us to follow to, for us wow. to, uh, for us to sign you, you're going to have to sell tickets for all the amateur shows, you know, and if you don't sell tickets, like they won't, they won't call you up to fight. Uh, there's yep. a lot of low level fights similar like that. And, you know, UFC also has their fight pass, uh, set up. So they have a lot of smaller promotions that basically kiss up to them to be on their fight pass so they get more sponsors more money and then it's just a, ch a chain funnel to get the fighters into the ufc so they continually like don't really invest anything into their athletes so you know what the, what the ufc did i, I like it, it's interesting because because dana white had second mover advantage right he gets to look at what was wrong with boxing and fix a lot of it now, now in doing so causes some other problems that we'll get to mm -hmm. but one of the things he's done and and depending removed, on your free agency yep he there is no it's effectively monopoly like yeah it is that's they, what our lawsuit's about they like they you can't compete and and one of the interesting things that see in boxing I know that there are places uh, springing up, like like Triller is just the largest, but I've seen this in smaller levels. Where, with the streaming technology that's available now, anybody who can who can go to the fight commission, apply for your licenses, put the escrow down for the insurance, and you can throw a fight, right? Uh, but I'm guessing that's a lot more difficult for MMA. They can't because you don't you don't have you don't have the name power of people to draw people in. It's hard to draw people if you can't get a big name or or uh effectively you talked about you know you won your national title and you're able to get picked up by a promoter right. and you have a ranking right so your ranking gives you the ability you own your rank until somebody beats you and takes you from it and because you own that rank it gives you a level of notoriety to ask for a certain amount of pay certain types of fighters but like mma we don't own our our uh ranking at all because each new organization no has a different set of ranks Ah, you know, there's something similar to that in boxing, man. That each each belt organization has their own rank, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> it would be the weirdest thing. A guy will be, be number one in the WBC and the WBO, but those are the only two belts he has. Mm -hmm. So in the IBF, he'll be like number 27. And you'll be like, hold on, this is ridiculous. But it, it's, it's, it's these smart little plays that they figured out to control mm -hmm. the difference. The big difference is that UFC is the only show in town. Uh, With the boxing, like you could, you could be the rankings the way you mentioned, but like you could still change promoters. Yeah, right. Exactly, because yeah. the, because what they've done, I don't think this is the case. And correct me if I'm incorrect. Uh, and boxing is a very separate relationship, like legally reinforced between yes. the manager and the promoter, the Muhammad Ali Act. I yep. don't know if that applies well, to the UFC. We don't have, we don't have, no, we don't have the Muhammad Ali. We actually have, uh, 
been pushing a Muhammad Ali Expansion Act. So we've been lobbying Congress and self-funding ourselves to go over. We had 58 signatures. We had a subcommittee hearing, uh, but like it got buried and they never voted on it. Boy, because because um, I'm because I'm sure they've got a lot more money and they're fighting because if if you guys get that, that'll be huge and that will huge. that will spell well, the end. One one other major problem we have is uh, in boxing, the promoters haven't owned and controlled the title since the 1800s. Right, right. It was uh, in the 1800s. It went over to the state athletic commissions. And then in like 1926, I think the athletic commissions created a sanctioning body license. That's when like the IBF, WBA, those were created. The alphabet boys. Yeah. Yeah. And like people say, you know, they don't like boxing now or boxing's dead because the Ali Act. Well, the, the, the multiple titles have been around for almost a hundred years. It has nothing to do with the Ali Act. Um, and those multiple titles titles allow fighters like I was in a situation where I was ranked number two for like seven years. I fought the number one guy that fought the title holder once, but the promoter didn't like me, so he didn't want to give me any more title shots. I could have uh, theoretically, uh, 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 if they didn't control the title, could have left to another promoter and and maybe got a title shot then because I would have I would have controlled my ranking. I could have had my ranking still. But yeah. yeah. It's 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 just a uh, the the main point I hope everyone takes away from this conversation is that is that the fighter is is kind of like it's like a weird combination bitch and the house n word like you don't really have I I say it's the fighting <laughs> fighting is a game of pimps and hoes it's a game of pimps and hoes dude exactly fighters, fighters are the hoes like because everybody it, makes money off you. The cornermen, and, and the, the game dude, trainers, the gym dude, owners, the sponsors. When you get hurt, the game keeps going on. Yep, and you just get put to the side. You get thrown ain't no out. pension. There's no, ain't no retirement fund. If you wasn't taking, there's nothing. They don't care about you. And and it's really and it's hard to, it's hard for a lot of fighters, young fighters for sure, to uh, to internalize that mentality, but you have to because a lot of opportunities are going to come up and and the money's going to make sense for everybody around you but you <laughs> and yes. you're the one taking on the biggest risk and you got to sit there and ask yourself okay why are we fighting this guy why are we doing this why are we not taking this opportunity what am i missing here mm -hmm. and once you start thinking like that you know i was I, I I'm I'm really fortunate that I ended up with some good people as a professional. Uh, yeah. pe people who are who, you know as good as you know anyone comes in the ring in the game, I guess. But uh, I'm but even still, I I ended up coming up off twenty five percent of my purse off jump before before your Uncle Sam even got his cut, right? So. Mm -hmm. And that, that's a pretty fair deal, you know. Twelve percent to the coach, thirteen percent to the manager. Uh, yeah. a, a buddy of mine who fought, well, a few of these guys have told me who fight in the UFC, that they're usually going home with fifty percent of their money at, at best because well, of I mean, all you have, you have, coaches and managers. Jim's uh, Jim fees around ten percent, coaches uh, or or management's ten. So we're about twenty percent. But then you have. You're gonna pay ten percent of your purse, fifteen percent of your purse, just on like food and travel and gym equipment and that shit. Uh, and and you have um, maybe you have ex outside trainers, maybe you have to pay sparring partners. There's a lot of excess cost. And then if you live in a state like California, you have like a 
the uh, the state the state uh, tax. You get an extra thirteen percent. Now, like do they make you guys pay tax uh, double, like in the state you're from, in the state you fight in? California does sometimes. Ooh, it's California it's nasty. <laughs> Most places will not. California. So yeah, California will gouge you everywhere they can. Oh, boy. You know, and and here's what I always say to guys. I'm like, if you're, if you're athletic enough to to compete seriously, like you got a real chance at this. Mm -hmm. uh, you haven't. Like, like, you know, like, like I remember I sparred Steve Music. And one of the things that just blew my mind, I didn't find out, is how little he'd been fighting. Like he's not like a lifelong fighter. He's just yeah. he's just a, a super athlete. Yeah. But I'm in there, and the guy he just understands what to do, understands what to move because he's an athlete. If you're athletic enough to do that kind of thing, uh, then you probably do something else because this is is very much um, kind of it's kind of one of the worst places. <laughs> You can't end up in the ring of the cage. Like, like people glamorize it, but they, they have no and look, I, I mean I still glamorize. I don't I don't glamorize it, but but I'm I'm very grateful for everything. But mm. goodness, you know, like like it's funny, we're with two different you know kind of sides of the coin, and the experiences are similar. Yeah. Now now did you have now, now did you have an amateur uh MMA career? Well, my yeah, so I started fighting back in the wild west of MMA, right? Oh, like so you guys were fighting it, airplane it, hangers and shit. It was <laughs> uh, uh, I fought in some softball fields, oh, smoking bars in Mexico. Um, <laughs> but no, like it was uh, there was no commission yet in most states, uh, in, some, in some of the states. Um, so like it was either illegal or legal to do, and then anybody could just put on a show. And a lot of times they're amateur shows and they just didn't pay anybody, but they're full pro rules. But uh, I actually fought professionally. Um, and then I lost and my next two fights were an amateur tournament, fought twice in one night. And then I went back to fighting pro after that. So it, uh, I did get some amateur experience in, but like even that, I will say that was more amateur because like we wouldn't like on the ground, it was all open. You had to have open hands. So, so were you, uh, were you fighting in the in the days where there was not really a weight class? No, see, that was that was like second generation. Uh, <laughs> like first generation, there was no weight classes and no gloves. So like we were the, I was in the first generation that had rounds, weight classes, and and the gloves. But like wow. there was no commission, so like. People brought their own gloves to the fight. People, <laughs> people wrap their own hands. You might have mixed matched gloves. Um, you know, okay. I see you guys wrap with duct tape. So, so you guys, so, so, so people who have never fought before don't understand. Like, like I'm, I'm cracking up because if if you tried something like that today, oh, yeah. like, like oh. you show up with your own gloves and you wrap your hands and. When I when I fought down in uh in Oklahoma, well everywhere really, they usually send somebody to like from the other yeah. camp yeah, to watch you rap. We have and the commission it, stands over you and watches everything happen. Yeah, like like to to think that you're just gonna just wrap some hands and whatever gloves you got, not the gloves that that like both parties agreed on, but whatever yeah. gloves you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, those are those are the days, man. It was wild. Um. 
Yeah, we fought. I fought in Mexico once, and after the fights, there was a doctor shooting people uh, with morphine in the parking lot. Oh God! At the bar, at the at the after fight bar, after fight party bar, not the <laughs> event. That <laughs> <laughs> they were at the bar drinking. He was passing out five milligram like little pain pills, and uh, yeah, he was shooting people up in the parking lot with heroin. Nah, man, you know, uh, I, I got a few buddies, man. They built their record up over in uh, Tijuana to fight in. I, I guess, I guess if if you, if you want to do that, that is certainly a an an avenue. Uh, and and they they love it, man. You know what it's like up here in uh, the Northeast. We have some. We have the tough man competition. You ever seen yeah. those? Yeah, man, a lot, a, lot of guys, a lot of guys will do tough, man, and think they can go. Because once you do tough, man, you forfeit your amateur status. So if you want to go do anything, you, you got to you gotta go risk being a tomato can. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, tough, man, is, there's no skill. You know, you just get in there, swing, and whatever happens, happens. Yep. Probably don't even. Do, do the commissions even look over that? Or is it uh, but, 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 does the commission look thing. at tough, man? I don't think so. You probably host them at the Indian reservations. Well, no. Well, 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 West Virginia is like the Wild West over here, man. West Virginia is, is actually does not even have a uh, their own commission. They use Pennsylvania. No, oh, wow. uh, and I and I'm very I'm intimately familiar with West Virginia because when you first start, Pennsylvania's commission is probably as strict as California's or or New York's, two of the stricter ones, and so. Uh, when you first are building up, it's just easier to get a fight because you can more easily pick the guys that are going to be good, you know, to develop you mm. uh, until you reach a certain point where, like, people go, oh, this is a fight in West Virginia. I'm not fighting there. We're going to go to to PA, and it's going to be a real fight. I mean, my, my first, like, real fight was probably Pennsylvania. Uh, my whole – well, that's not true. Uh, I fought this one guy. He was he was kind of rough, and he, he – uh, West Virginia, but PA, you know, the, what they're always, what the commission is trying to do, if they're not like even remotely crooked, uh, they're trying to like account for skill differential, right? But they don't mm -hmm. want you fighting a guy that like clearly shouldn't be in there with you. And so they're, they're you know, supposed to do that now with the commission's MMA. I yeah, mean, they're they're the same commissions, <laughs> primarily boxing and, and MMA commissions are the same people doing the same job. Yeah. The questionnaires and stuff we fill out, you just take the box which combatant, which unarmed combatant you are. Yeah, you know, right? Because I've seen, I know the guy here. You, you still have to learn the name of the of your commission guy because he's the guy. He's already he's at all the shows, collecting mm -hmm. all the tickets, and you know, either either you love him or you hate him, but you, definitely a polarizing figure. But um, yeah. the the first the, the first real fight I had, man, I was like, oh, this is the you know, this, this is the game, right? It's the, it's the game because they 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 they're not gonna let a uh, scrub fight me. Right, because yeah. I'm not a scrub. Ideally, you're not a scrub either, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> right? Yeah. Sometimes yeah. though, they let they let matchups that you just know shouldn't happen through. And you just well, you know why that happen? You know, and the, and then the network usually ends up looking bad with that. Well, if the network's involved. Yeah, we just have slimy promoters that want. So yeah, no, wait, so you now, out, so now when you fought, you did you you didn't fight for UFC, did you? No, I fought. I fought. Uh, I had eighteen UFC fights. I fought for seven and a half years for them. Okay. Did you fight for another another promotion? Uh, yes. Oh, I mean, like, so I was fighting for a lot of different promotions in the beginning because there were a lot of startups that fell off and, and things didn't pan out. 
Um, and then finally I got into the UFC. Like my, it was crazy for me. Cause like the first fight I had was in Vegas. And so it was like, there was a commission, everything was done like fairly professionally. So like, I saw how things were kind of supposed to happen. Cause, cause uh, Nevada yeah. was, was the regulating MMA at that time. So I could, you know, there was actual scales, there was actual times to do things. Like there was commissioner watching us do stuff. Yeah. So like next, my next 13 <laughs> fights were basically wild west. And I was like, Oh Jesus. Like I wouldn't have known any better. If, what are we supposed uh, to do here? I, yeah. I wouldn't exposed to that one fight where like they actually did things right. Like I, I fought, I broke, I knocked it out, hit him again, broke my thumb. And like, they just had some like off duty nurse, like was hanging out drinking and like, she was their person doing, doing the medic stuff. And she's like, looked at my thumb. She's like, oh, me, you might want to put some ice on it. Yo, that's so crazy to me. <laughs> you know, <laughs> the, the game is, well, the game is the game, man. I don't, I don't, I, I, you know, I signed a contract for that first fight. And then I don't think I signed another contract until my last fight before I got into the UFC. And I think I had, I had like 14 fights before getting into the UFC. Okay. Wins. Now, at that, at that point, when, you, when you're fighting for, we're fighting like for the UFC and everything, and mm -hmm. how to like you know the biggest show in town, and everything. You know, do you have, uh, do you guys get like a living stipend or is it like whatever you're paid? Well, no kidding. No. So they yeah they they pay you get uh, a split. So you uh, you'll sign up. Uh, um, like when I got signed, they did one fight agreements for my first like three fights, uh, and then I got a three fight agreement. But now they're doing a lot of people long, longer term contracts, especially guys who, who are going to maybe fight for titles. They'll lock them to like an eight fight contract. And um, your pay is stipulated ahead of time, like how much. It oh, can go really? Up. OK. Huh. Yeah, so, so you could sign an eight fight contract, be on your second fight, win a world title and still be at like forty five and forty five or hundred thousand. Yeah. And yeah, then you're no, stuck, you're stuck at that until you finish that contract deal or or you risk sitting out and they'll do some back end negotiating, but like it's not for points of pay per views or anything that's like significant. No kidding. Okay, yeah, because you know this is this is when you when you reached out to me, we were gonna have this combo. This was the part that was really mm -hmm. interesting to me, uh, and I and I went and actually did some research because I wanted to make sure that like because because I used to like be be really big into UFC, not so much anymore but but one of the things that always fascinated me was the pay difference and that pay difference does seem to hold guys um was about 10 years ago guys do seem to be getting paid uh on par a little more than they were back when you compared to when the ufc was like, uh, well the number the number's gone up for like how much you're being paid but the percentage of the revenue is gone down really yes so uh, when I was fighting, um, they were paying somewhere like between 24 and 26 percent of the revenue back to the athletes per the fights. So, now so, it's, so the, it's the, under it's under 20 percent. And it's like within their business model plans to keep it below 20 percent. So the promotion is making more money. You guys are getting paid more. But overall, you're getting paid less than what you're small. Yeah, in. it's a bigger so pie, but there's a smaller piece of the pie. So basically, they, they inflation your asses. Kind of, yeah. That's crazy. Okay, and, because, they, and they promote the individual less, I believe. Okay, yeah, and this is one of the things that I, I, when I was really big in this convo before I had to do research, I was thinking because uh, I had notes on this. I wrote about this on a for a blog for my friend. Mm -hmm. um, well, one thing that I thought the UFC did do extraordinarily well is compared to boxing, anyhow, 
is is boxing built uh its pay-per-views around a guy and mm-hmm. and it didn't matter what the weight class was he was the the kind of the it guy right so and, and at that time it was mayweather and and pacquiao that's back when they were both uh really those guys mm-hmm. the ufc is competing and what the ufc is doing is I thought this was great. You know, I, I had in my mind, you know, names of individuals in different weight classes that they let that they were just on pay-per-view. It was like a pay-per-view month, in fact. You know, we, we always had a room. That's back when I was drinking, man. We get together, barbecue some steaks, get toe up, watch UFC yep. pay-per-view at least once a month. And now it seems like there are fewer pay-per-views uh as well. Is that well, it's all is on that, like it's all on like uh ESPN the, Plus and channels you have to like prescribe to uh, fight pass. Ah, uh, so so they're not running. There's so extra they're, they're a network now. Okay. Well, they're work. still they've still been in production control of their production. That's one of the big things that they wanted to stay in control of was the production because they had an opportunity to go to HBO a long time ago, but HBO wanted to do all the production for the show, and they they wouldn't let it go because that's part of their that's a part of the manipulation. Right, because yeah. now all the people doing press and commenting on it are PR people, and you can't talk out of the box. Right? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you have yeah. to. It, it's because their business model is pro wrestling. That's what they've done. They've, they've, you, they've scammed the government to thinking that it's okay for them to control title and exclusive contracts, and they're basically doing what pro wrestling is doing, except their, their matches aren't real. It's not predetermined outcomes. It's the only difference between the business models. No kidding. Okay. So, well, yeah, okay. And like there were fighters in the meetings when they were like copying, like down to their merchandising agreement stuff. Like they were talking to, you know, Vince McMahon's people. They were talking to WWE's people. So, the, so that's not an accident, in other words. No, like, no. They, they're, they're like, we're watching what you guys are doing mm-hmm. and we're going to do it over here. And well, I mean, it's, it's, it is working. No, like, I, and, and one of the things is you mentioned, I got to push back a little bit, is you say that, you know, they they don't have the one marquee fighter for the fights, but but they do because they have they have canceled fights because one guy couldn't make the fight because one yeah. guy failed a drug test. So they've okay. showed examples where name value actually matters. And just recently, the two heavyweights, they couldn't get the actual heavyweight champ to fight, Naganu. So... They made an interim belt, and they they said that oh well you know well it's a smart thing to do to have an interim belt because more, more people watch when there's a belt on the line, so so that's kind of a uh, promoter talking point that they're like oh it's the they actually say it in the in the lawsuit that it's the UFC's secret sauce and that's why people tune in and watch the fights it has nothing to do with about the name value of the fighters. It's the the secret sauce. What they think is on the line, I guess, right? they literally do not define it they just say it's the the ufc's secret sauce their business model is why it's successful when people watch it It has nothing to do with the athletes and their name power so no no i'm guessing you don't agree with that though yeah not at all like their own behavior shows it's not true like they would never have to cancel a show because one fighter couldn't fight they would just bump somebody else up yeah and so now, now what's the? This is great, man, because because I'm on your show, but I'm I'm getting I'm getting a bit of an education here, uh, straight from from the horse's mouth per se. You've been in the belly of the beast. Now, uh, how do sponsorships work? 
Is it everybody well, is sponsored by the same guy? You can't be sponsored by individuals anymore. So this is kind of a long story because back in 2000, you know, 2005 to 2008, 10-ish, um, sponsorships was really great. And I could make as much money on sponsorships as I would for the fight itself. Right. If I was going to make 50, 50 to show up and 50 to win for the fight, there's a good chance I could make, uh, you know, $50,000 in sponsorships. But the big, pre big reason that was is because there was a lot of mom and pop t-shirt shops and other things that wanted to be associated with UFC and be seen. And they would have, you know, $5,000 to give you for the fight, $10,000 to give you for the fight. You get two or three or four of those people. Um, there's twice where I got, um, sponsorship where I got a monthly payment. It was $100,000 for the year, so I got a month monthly payment every year. Uh, twice that happened to me through t-shirt companies. So uh, the UFC saw all these guys making money, and that gave the fighters power to like not take fights they didn't want. Because now you have revenue stream <laughs> yeah, from okay. the UFC, okay? So like that's a big power play they make, is like they sign your uh, a promotional agreement, so they'll get you for like three fights to eight fights, and then uh, you'll get your bout agreement. And then you'll fight once, right? And then two fights away from the end of your contract, they'll, they'll be like, okay, hey, we need you to re-sign uh, another promotional agreement. And you're like, well, okay, well, I need to fight. I need the bout agreement. They're like, well, sign the promotional agreement first. So they'll get you to sign an eight-fight extension for shit money, and, uh, and then they'll send you the bout agreement. Or if you're like, hey, okay, well, no, I just want to wait and fight my contracts out and see where I am there. They'll say, okay, they'll put you uh, at the end of the list so you don't fight until the last month that they have to make you fight. They'll uh, put you on the undercard and they'll give you the toughest fighter you can possibly fight because <laughs> they want you to lose. Because like right. you're not allowed. And there's emails from Joe Silva that went out saying, if you don't, if you don't say yes and you don't like my first offer, you're going to hate the second one. Wow. And he basically tell you like take it take it or leave it that's the attitude so they use a lot of tactics they know that you're starving if you're if you're only making so much money they know yep. how long it takes for you to be out of money and they'll they'll dangle that bout agreement in front of you they'll dangle an opportunity in front of you because they know you're going to lose badly to the guy they're trying to build so this is what they were okay so this is man this is more insidious you know boxing is just kind of like a bunch of crooks that got together and kind of agreed like how to how to make money together it yeah. sounds like the ufc was like one big pimp came along and was like the yes. rest you gonna work for me yep oh or that's it in fact you know you know that i don't know the, and that, the and that's all the managers are all the managers work for the main pimp they don't work right. for their athletes there's a in the wire man it's it's like the difference between uh the way marlo did things versus versus the uh the other guy avon avon tried to get everyone collectively working together with a bunch of criminals marlo was showing up like those are my corners and i'm gonna need you to get off of them and uh and right now i'm being a gentleman about it kind of deal mm -hmm. <laughs> you know enough if you want to fight me back we can turn it into a war that's insane man so 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 the the natural conclusion then is that most guys in the UFC, even even I mean, I'd imagine even guys fighting for titles, they're not really eating. Man, like it's they're struggling. Like there's been a few people recently who put out um, GoFundMe's so that they could fund their training camp. Get out, man! What? 
and and doing yeah, you know what's crazy like all the money generated you would think uh it would be in their best interest to make sure the fighter is taken care of they don't care they want they just because it's it, it, the sport has turned into oh, okay i didn't finish the the, the whole uh um um talk about the, the sponsors right i just that was just the first little piece of it. Right, so right, like, yeah, you yeah. make pretty good money you could make good money up until about 2000 then around that 2008 2010 time they started to tax the sponsors so if you wanted to sponsor uh, a fighter you had to pay the ufc 50 to 100,000 first wow. so you'd have the mom and pop shop they might have you know 15 to 50,000 of sponsor money they could throw out you know per year at certain fighters now they had to pay double what they had could afford those fighters to the ufc first so that just put most of them out of business and there was a point in time past 2010 before i got cut in 2013 where there was like four to six sponsors you could actually call that so that, it's not that you guys okay so because the way the way I, I thought i understood it was that the the sponsors were just not allowed but it sounds well, like they well, were allowed it's, a, it's an evolution this is an evolution okay. so okay. they ended up choking out the majority of the sponsors when life was pretty good and they cut it down to like just four or to six sponsors and then they got to the point where they started villainizing sponsors and sponsorship right oh my god look at all these sponsors who don't pay look how terrible sponsors are and then they came to save the day with the Reebok sponsorship deal. Aren't we okay, the heroes? Yeah. We're saving you guys. Yeah. And now they have a strict pay scale of how many fights you have to have. And if you're a champion, you get $45,000 bonus. That's your that's your sponsor money. 45,000 like per year or per fight. Per fight. Oh, okay. And I mean that's still kind of champions fight um once a year? Once, twice a year maybe. <laughs> The whole game is rigged, man. Yes. <laughs> and you're talking about like like a guy like Conor McGregor. He's getting $45,000. Of course, he gets special deals because he has a company and he's selling stuff, you know, uh, yeah. you know, he's got promotional space stuff there. But like that guy could be making, you know, and he fought uh, Mayweather. He had like $15 million from like one sponsor. All so right. You're telling me, you're telling me he couldn't make that per ufc fight oh, yeah. of course but but if he can do that from sponsorship like you said then you're back into uh then you're he, back he into the position where, where yeah. they don't have the leverage anymore he's not reliant on them anymore yeah yeah and that's what it's all it's all about leverage and they really understand leverage yeah and that's one of the things they they kind of took from uh they will say learned from from boxing is that because mm -hmm. the fighter does have uh incredible leverage you know to the point where like most concert when I mean, we can turn down guys and fights we we think they're not good good matches or anything like that you know or, or are you guys because you own your rank you guys can charge a premium or you guys can charge them money to fight you because you're putting your rank at risk right yeah like there's a lot it sounds like there's just a lot more wiggle room yeah and well, you have free agency you have yeah well, you have free you have free agency yeah, yeah, and and you only sign to your manager. I mean, yeah, you have a promotional deal, but but mm -hmm. most contracts I've seen are guys. I know if you want to break from your deal, you just you can't fight on another promotion for like a year. That's that's the yeah. that's typically what happens. But there's other promotions. I don't even know how that would look on your end because they, no, like UFC has never ending contracts because if you <laughs> refuse to fight or you get injured like there's like a dan hardy was talking about he hadn't fought in like a decade almost and he's still under contract from there 
one of the guys in our lawsuit, Nate Corey, um, he's still he hasn't fought in over a decade and he's still under contract with them because they freeze your contract if you refuse fights or you get injured. Get out. And they and and they, yeah, you're not gonna what are you gonna do? Fight fight that clause and go where like and, and part of the contracts you sign also it has a has a uh a clause in it where you don't sue it normally you have to go to a what do you call it oh uh what the hell is that called they arbitrator. Have boxing too, arbitrator. Yeah. yeah so so like if you have a problem with them you go to their judge who's their buddy in their town and he makes a decision on 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 your complaint and you're going to end up paying for the whole thing yeah you know i, I want everybody everyone to take away from this is that is that you know i i mean i've met you in person man and you you're you're a cool guy and everything but uh to to do this i mean you did it longer than i did and, and it, when it, what it sounds like a bit of a, a rougher business of that and what it what it takes to to do this man like like nothing's gotta phase you man like we, we were talking in yeah, the man. first part of the conversation kind of just about the the mental uh transformation all the other shit you know it's, uh, so, so much it? stuff comes up now that it's just it's comical i laugh at it of course you know of course this happened haha -ha. <laughs> so what are we gonna do right, well, why wouldn't this happen <laughs> it's yeah. just it is what it is whatever you make the most of it but like we have been fighting it you know we have uh we've been trying to develop a fighters association we've been trying to We've been lobbying Congress. We've been traveling over there, getting support there. And then we have the class action lawsuit that's going on. We're six years deep and we're waiting for the judge to write up his uh, summary for uh, granting us um, class certification. Now, what is that? Uh, he has to determine, we had to make a case to determine that we had all been collectively damaged the same through, oh, a class, okay, like a class yeah, action. Yeah, through the UFC's monopoly scheme and Monsampany scheme. <laughs> so he's he's hinted that he is going to grant us uh, classification in the bout class. We're just waiting. It's been like a year over a year. But it looks like uh, it's going to go through positively, or how? Long looks like it's going to go through positively. Uh, oh, I put this on the screen. You had a super chat. That said, uh, thanks for thank the you chat. for chess. Yeah, yeah, I remember. Um, I, I, that's what I think it is. Yeah, we we played a few. Uh, we played a few games, and they were they were good games. I went on a, a couple dates with some chick who said she knew you through uh, chess, some chess app. Really? Yeah. Man, I I can only think of I can think of only one girl who who. Uh, and I don't know her name. I remember what she did, but I didn't. But I guess you're conned in that part of the country, maybe, huh? Area. She ghosted me. <laughs> okay. Okay. Did she work for? Did she work for a makeup company? I don't even know, man. Like I might have been the side dude or something because I don't even. <laughs> oh, I. Oh, yeah. She put together like displays and stuff to sell. I think. Yeah. Was... Yeah. Wow. Crazy world, man. I know exactly. Yep. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Um. You know, yeah, she like she uh she challenged me. She well, she didn't challenge me. She just asked if I wanted to play chess, and and I think I I just went on the tear. It was like like eight, ten, ten games in a row, and uh, and I'm I mean I'm I'm okay. I mean I'm I'm certainly I think I'm stronger than the average player. Player, I can, but, beat, I can beat my sons. That's about it. <laughs> so you have two sons? You say two sons boys, are nine and seven. Oh, I thought you only had one. I didn't know you had two. Yeah, okay. Two boys. Yeah. Very they're, cool, they're, man. They're super fun. Um, so uh, I, I gotta ask. I'm curious, man. I, I ask all fathers uh, who are fighters this: 
Uh, if, if your if your kid says he wants to fight, what do you will you will you um encourage, discourage, do the Vasily Lemonchenko route, be like, let's do some other sports and see if you still really want to do this? Like I, I just I I'll support whatever they do as long as they're like putting everything into it. They're doing it to do it, you know. I don't want to force them into anything. I haven't forced them anything yet. Uh, I've put them into after school jujitsu and MMA class and different stuff. I, you know, I train them because um, they're going to face adversity and they're going to learn how to work hard and they're going to learn how to fight because they, you just need to know that as a man, period. Yeah. So we do that stuff. We keep it fun. Um, I have a couple of their friends uh, that are their size come have been coming over all summer and uh, a part of part of uh, COVID too to come over and just we have wrestling practice on Tuesdays and okay now things are starting to open up I'll put them in class but that's because I want them to be organized I want them to understand you know put in bad positions I want them to get used to being with the team and 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 kids and I also want them to take orders from a coach who like I've like hey this is a person who's in charge listen to them do what they do what he says. Not, not I, do I don't you, want to, I don't <laughs> be the only one yelling at him all the time. I was gonna say, like, are you gonna be? Uh, I'd imagine you're gonna vet the coach a little bit yeah. more. You'll, you'll know. Yeah, so there are people I've trained with for a long time, and people I know. So, like, like Damian Cormier would be like the main wrestling coach, or oh, no kidding, uh, okay. You know, you know this guy Ron Kessler, who I who I've uh, known and trained with for more than a decade. He's he's was out. He's from out Pennsylvania, actually. But he's a black belt, and you know we trained and, and worked together for a long time. So, like people, I I definitely so know. You have a network, so if they want to do it, you yeah, you got the network. guys to make 100%. sure they do it right. Yeah, but I just and then there's also the side of me that wants to because I have my own like system, my fit smash system. At some point, I'm gonna like teach them everything because at the end of the day, at least they have a job then. Because if they know my system, they can take that with them everywhere. It's like a Gracie teaching, you know, their kid jujitsu. Yeah, you know, I can I can teach my stuff, and then you know, hopefully they'll want to continue with their jujitsu path. I can teach them there that too, and you know, it's job security because you can go anywhere in the world and teach people how to fight. That's true. There aren't a lot of um, high level, and what's really cool about um, black black about jujitsu. Brazilian jiu-jitsu mm -hmm. is that you know for the most part it has not uh been watered down so you're so so pretty much you get a black belt your black belt's good most places you know yeah. because what they know that if you got it you're good and plus you know you you show you know you roll we'll know real quick if you you really you know up there yeah but also though you know they spend enough time around me and hopefully they'll keep spending time around me when I teach so I hopefully hopefully they'll learn some of that skill too, because some people can do things, but they can't teach it. Ah, okay. You know, so it's not even the skill of knowing how to fight or the skill of being good at jujitsu that's important, but like knowing how to break it down and get other people to do it correctly. That's where you're gonna profit off of it. Ah, okay. You know, that's the uh, to me that was always the hardest part about about fighting is is uh taking these things that you do and trying to get someone else to mm -hmm. do them because <laughs> it's not like i think about all i had to go through to be able to learn to like just throw a punch correctly 
Yeah. It's weird, like as weird as that, that sounds basic, I think, to, to a lot of people, but but you probably understand what I'm saying. It, it's, mm-hmm. it's anything but basic to throw a punch yeah. correctly. Once I finally understood what I got to do, it's like, okay, how do I teach someone else uh, how to do that? Yep. Because there's so much internal stuff, and if, and if you're very good at being able to break down and explain these things, then then you're set for life. The, my, I mean, my coach has made that. That's how he's made his living. He's taught boxing full time yep. for over 20 years, which is incredible. Because most coaches got other jobs because there ain't no money in this. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, hundred percent. Uh, you also. Um... People that don't know outside of the boxing stuff, like you've been writing a lot, and like I first came familiar with you from from Twitter. Oh because yeah, which was around, made forever since. So around that time, around 2017, like my marriage was rough and on its way out, and like I had had a period of maybe it was like 2016. I started following you, but like I had uh, started going through a little bit of depression, and it was not doing so well. And then uh, one of the things I realized is that uh, like my timelines on all my social media stuff were like all really like angry, depressing stuff, you know, political, whatever. It is nothing positive. So when I found your, I think yours and uh, Peterson uh, and uh, AJ Cortez, like were a couple of a few of the early Twitter uh, handles that I followed that were like positive information and like uplifting stuff. And it was all like, personal growth stuff and that like started me on more of a path of like picking myself back up and and figuring shit out and uh like you've grown your platform like tremendously in that time period yeah it's it's really um kind of strange uh I mean, well, because I, because okay, like this is what's supposed to happen, and like in my mind and my plan, the, the part that I have kind of planned out, uh, this is what's supposed to happen. I continue to to expand my reach, and then once I kind of figure out what I want to do with it, I, I do something with it, and and I do have a plan now. You know that you know for the second half of this year uh, i'm really going to be working on some other stuff not you know you'll, you'll you'll still see me probably just as much on on twitter but probably um like not create anything new because i really want to focus on uh writing my next book and writing some other books in general but this this has been a really cool platform because as, as uh people discover me they they like the story and then they decide to have me on and then people having me on different platforms has helped mm-hmm. because because you know twitter is a is a written platform yeah but they want to make sure i don't i'm not an, a bumbling idiot when it comes to speaking yeah. and i can put my face out there and say words and because i you know can do that it, it's really it, it, it's you know it's surreal man for real because it, it's provide provides a great life and I think part of that is having a business sense, you know, because there's a lot of people who are who are great with writing uh, and have the ability to build a following if they want to. You know, obviously my life is unique compared to anyone else's, and I figured out how to kind of tell my story in the best way. But uh, you got to have business sense so you can capitalize on that because it would be ridiculous if I had this many followers and I had to wake up and go to work. That would be weird. Uh, <laughs> right. Like, like, you know, I, I couldn't even really uh, envision. Well, I, I, I think backwards because like I, I had a lot of followers, but I haven't I haven't been able to uh, monetize it quite in the same ways that you and some other guys have. 
Well, it, it all comes along because look, check check it out. I mean, it, it every every year I learn something new, mm. uh, and 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 I'm always trying to learn from my peers, and I've been really blessed. You know, one of one of my great great peers, a guy I helped build his account up really big, Chris Johnson, and and now you know I go and talk to him about stuff. You know, in terms of marketing and growing, and he's really helped me. Uh, it helps seeing other guys who have done similar things with their platform you talk to you know i talked to aj or rather i really just see what he does he's very smart what he does it's very cool uh but everyone is oh you know all we're doing is we're taking what we're good at and and for a while you know you, one can make them give themselves an excuse and i almost did that which was okay i'm good at writing who wants to learn how to write but then i had to figure out you know how to how to put that in a package and get it out there and, and put a put a spin and mix on it and now you know like like if you look at my twitter you know blah well not my twitter twitter is, is right but if you look at my instagram take it uh, capitalizing on it with the rg and i've got a following over there i just got to figure out kind of how to turn that how to spin that into money mm -hmm. But uh, yeah. even now, with the sale we're doing right now, it's it's a, it's another program about writing, and it's a it's a good, awesome program, and so it's just it's just taking what I do well and and put, you know putting stuff out there, and I, I'm really I'm really having a good time with with it all because because you, you're just learning things. You most people, uh, what I'm learning is most people don't don't see the world uh, the way we see the world because they see you know for example there's a very linear relationship between time and income that most people have once you break that relationship then it's yeah. very easy uh for you to look in terms of value and reach which is now that's what makes a difference okay yeah. so i go okay how can i add more value how, or rather how can yeah how can i have more value how can i have a bigger reach those two things combined that's that's how we think about things now and that's just one aspect of thinking uh you know most of a lot of the the, the in-depth conversations i'm able to have with people i have my good friends here in the city but if i need to go and talk to somebody in person just hop on a plane it's very like that's a very odd thing that people don't do they hop on a plane and go hang out with some people but you, yeah. you do it right you know because because ideally you got everything else kind of taken care of and these relationships it's not just we're going to hop on a plane and go drink beers i mean usually you come i came back from austin you know, like fired up, man, because I was talking yeah. to a bunch of people in Austin who were my peers. Using the internet to find like-minded people. Yeah, exactly. And so so that trip in Austin will con continues to pay dividends, not just yeah. the, 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 re the reason I was down there, which was to be on a podcast, but in the relationships I made and fortified while I was there. 100%. Yeah, it's, uh, it's one of those things that I, I didn't take advantage of until in the last few years was like, the connections and the people I have access to uh, through social media. Yeah, I'm one because I'm I'm still I'm a boomer when it comes to technology. Totally, like I got to college and I had never really used computers. Like even in college, we the internet wasn't a thing like we used much. <laughs> like we, I went to this. There's a building called Stacks, and if you had to write a paper on uh, some some medical journal stuff, you went to Stacks, and that's where all the medical journals were, and you had to go through the Dewey Decimal System and see if you could find an article or a study on the thing that you wanted to write a paper about. Like you're talking about two to three hours of time just to like find 
a couple sources that you can use. Ah, the old days, man. Which the old now, days. nowadays, like it's <laughs> do, 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 do. like couple, couple hit a couple strokes, and you've got fifty thousand uh, potential things to to write about. Now the challenge is, you know, we we have we have access to all the knowledge, like like all of it, okay. Yeah. And now the challenge is how does one train their mind to parse this, to look through it, to research, to really think. We don't have to think anymore. Everything is done for us or we just look it up. So you've got to train yourself to be able to think and create connections and really understand what you're looking at. And when you do that, you know, then, then you start really soaring with the eagles, man. Because a lot of people, are, you know, they're pigeons and they're, and, and they're, they're actually worse than pigeons. They're, they're pigeons. Um who think they're eagles because they get because they they have access to the same stuff but they don't know how to use it you know it, it's 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 incredible you know seeing this world that we live in now man you know anything but can you think about it can you solve a deep problem create these big re you know, create a revenue stream right out the internet uh, they're like there's no there's, I mean yeah we can make books and courses about it but a lot of the stuff is going to come down to experimentation yeah, things like that. Find where you can fit in. So yeah, you have a you have a new uh, course up. I've got the uh, link in the description, and then I put it up in the chat, and it's up on the screen right now. That's my oh. that's my that's my link to it. Awesome, man. I hope someone. I hope so someone what what uh what is uh what are you offering? What what is it that um you're showing in the in the in the course? Because you have you have a Twitter course too, like how to yeah how to followers, how to grow your, your your followers. But this is a different one. Yeah, this is a different one. So so what I did with my partner J.K. Molina is that uh we we looked at the structure of some popular tweets uh, across different accounts. Yeah, I, I first of all, this is where you got to get a partner. I, I never had my, my ego is too big to do this. Like if you go through uh, engagement as the new cocaine and, and the real my, my two books about Twitter, my two big ones, it's they're all samples of my tweets. I like it just never crossed my mind to look at other people's stuff. Right. Mm -hmm. But but because of the, the yeah. angle he was coming from, he had to do that. So he's got all this for looking through it and we, we broke it down organized it into kind of what makes the most sense the the best way to structure these things and then show people this is how uh you should say a certain thing and then it, the, the so what that's why it's called the templates because it's like like one example is you know it's not x that's the problem it's really this thing not related to x right and then we give an example and then you can just plug it in and now you know how to do it right you know, or you can't make me this because of some reason why I'm immune to this, right? That that uh, references the initial problem, and so we have a bunch of examples. Like you can't make me jealous, you know, because I'm rooting for you too. Example, so, or like uh, the problem isn't the truth; uh, the problem is accepting how simple the truth really is. That kind of deal, and we we see that that pattern show up in so many different types of writing. That we were like, okay, this is clearly a pattern that works. What is the meta idea behind it? Ah, there it is. Let's break it down. Let's put the template out there, and we analyze it across multiple accounts. So, so when I marketed it as a uh, an easy swipe and switch, drag and drop, plug and play system, it really is just that. Like you don't have to think. You just nice. look at this, see some of the examples, and then make your own up just right there. 
that that's been the wildest thing about this whole thing. Cause I've been trying to study marketing and whatever, besides the red pill stuff and self-improvement stuff. Like, uh, the fact that human beings were animals and we have a lot of um, just biological programming and human human behavior patterns. And like a lot of this writing is stuff that, that ties in and cues to our natural behaviors anyways. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty wild. It's just like <laughs> shake, shaking a ball at a dog and throwing it. Like he's, he's got a cue to go fresh. Yeah, you, you know, like like that's, that's what language is. Um, and I'm always I've always been fascinated by language because there it, it, it's you know what's language is here's an idea and I want to make sure you understand that idea so we got to come up with a collectively agreed upon set of symbols uh, and, and symbols can be anything from writing or or sounds right and we have to go okay these combinations mean that and once you hear those combinations it's gonna do you go okay I, I got it right. I understand. You know, I, I can look at it. Are we, are we talking about and then and then how it's combined means something different based on the language you, you're you're speaking in. But that is the first level, just being understood. Then there's the second level, getting people to have a reaction, getting people to think or behave, mm-hmm. or or oh well, yeah, think or feel a certain way based on how you use the words, how you put them together. You know, two people can say the exact same thing, content information-wise, but yeah. stylistically and structurally, one is going to be ten times more persuasive, engaging, or informative because it's going to stick. And so, I'm really fascinated with with the structures that make that possible. Mm-hmm. Because if you unlock that, you know, whoever said the pen is mightier than the sword, they they, they got it. Like that, that's a big deal to be able to do that. Have that power. Kind of- Pen is mightier than the sword because the the guy using the pen has guys with swords behind him. Exactly. <laughs> and you can make people do some real crazy shit too. With the, I've been right? I've been watching the uh, what is it history? There's a thing on Netflix. Was like the the dictators or the uh, uh, the tyrants, and it goes through all these tyrants and their tyrant behaviors and what makes a tyrant a tyrant. Talk about Hitler, Saddam, Idi Irene. Ah, yeah. okay. See this now. This sounds right up my alley, man. Yeah, I want to check this yeah, out. The, the, well, my only criticism of it, though, is they they fail to mention any um, any involvement from the U.S. or CIA. In, oh, any of, of course, course they won't. <laughs> uh, they can't they do that. Gaddafi <laughs> yeah, was one of the people they talked about. Stalin. Yeah. You know. It's a good it, show, but like at the same time, just remember, like, there's hidden we're the people. Bad, you, yeah, there's a, there's a, you know, we are, we are some of the bad guys, you know, some of the worst guys, really. It just so happens, uh, you know, whoever said that history is written by the winners, man, they were, they, they just, they were not kidding. Yeah. Uh, you know. All right, Ed, uh, I've kept you for 90, about 90 minutes now. That's awesome. Yeah, this, dude, talk. this has been a really cool talk, man. A lot, a lot of different stuff touched upon. Uh, I think I learned, I learned, you know, a lot because, because the fight game is fascinating to me. Like I, I'll never, I want to say never, because you never know, right? But, but the the odds of me ever getting involved with it at any level ever again 
more seriously than being like a sparring partner with somebody. Yeah, like like I don't see if you can correct me on this, but like it seemed like from what you were describing compared to MMA, like MMA is um top down, just locked in corrupt system, right? Because because the the conflict of interest that the promoter gets by controlling the uh the title, the ranks, and exclusive yep. right? But it seems like it's a uh like a crony type collusion type system that screws boxing up. Yep, they're 100%, doing a lot of percent, man. Not necessarily legal, but it's like there's well, enough. Well, people, you know, there's what, enough people in on the scam. To you like want to talk about things that aren't technically legal, right? So you're you're not allowed to borrow and pay for rankings like that's robbery. Mm -hmm. So they had to come up with a way around that. <laughs> All right. Uh, so that's why that's, that's why you can have that's why you can have the belts. Uh, have different rankings. Like if it was an absolute rank system, it, it shouldn't matter who holds the belt. But you can't have a guy who's number one on, on WBA and WBO, and then not even be in the top ten on IBF. Why? Because he doesn't have your belt. And he's not paying the fees to hold that belt. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they, they, that's what they do, right? They're like, but that—that's one of those things. Yeah, technically not legal, right? Yeah. Uh, and they they figure out ways around it, but but either way, man, you you what you what you're dealing with is people who who are who are involved in in blood money at the purest level. You know, it it, it, it ain't contract killing. That's right. I guess yeah. that would be like the purest level, but uh, it's not like like football or something <laughs> like that. You know, where there's like a penalty for hurting people. So so okay, let's check this out. This uh this is my uh harebrained idea. This is just my idea. My scheme to fix a few sports at once right because there's already the the screen actors guild exists right sag yeah yep. so and they protect you know entertainers um from you know unscrupulous uh, uh production companies like they set a standard that you have to yeah. meet these things if you're a production company to work with our people whatever so i think sag since already established needs to open up a sports entertainment wing or department and they can bring in boxing, MMA, and pro wrestlers on that same group, and we can instantaneously achieve uh, an association. Some kind of protections. Well, yeah, <laughs> Any, some kind of for, for low fees. Then we got insurance. Then we got you know uh, a chance to own our names, chance to like because like that's one of the big things too is like the UFC has video games and a lot of its merchandising stuff, and, and it no makes it impossible for money. people. Yeah, they pay you like. $2,500 or five grand because most guys are going to cash that check. And then once they cash a the check, they have yeah. no argument about, Hey, you know, you ripped me off. You're like, well, you took the money. Yeah. Because you need to eat like, and they give you just enough. It's just like, Boy, well, and most of these guys, a lot of these guys are kind of poor and they, uh, they don't understand like, Hey, you got paid five grand for being on this video game. But like you realize a football player in your position makes like, monthly payments so, so much more you know like they they get excited over their madden check every year and that's because every <laughs> deal every deal that's done is like they're getting 50 percent of the revenue yeah it's it's it, it, i just you know i'm happy it, it, it's kind of the hardest way in to say you're a professional athlete <laughs> you really you literally gotta fight for it and it, it is it is 
Hey man, but but in every sense of the word, you're a professional athlete, man. No, mm-hmm. Nobody really is looking out for you, but but fortunately, you know, uh, fortunately, one of the, the 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 cool things is happening. This is why, and I, and I think this is a really great place to kind of kind of round it up. This is why I am absolutely fascinated by what the what what Jake and Paul Logan are doing because mm-hmm. they are decent. What they're what they're effectively doing are the analogy I gave was they're they're the Bitcoin to uh-huh fighting they're decentralizing it because they they have they have such a big following that because because that's how people muscle yeah. muscle around in boxing no right yeah is that they come and they have money and the connections with the network and so you got to listen to them well well what the network's being decentralized now what everything you they you, you don't have any power over the logans they don't have any power over trilla they don't have any power over this own or our dads mm-hmm. however you want to say it right yeah. uh so so these these places are showing up where you're able to to if you if you have a name that's why having canelo on dazzin is, is good and joshua on dazzin is good mm-hmm. because even though they're even though they're still in the system it's, it's a different system uh yeah that the internet money is, is just that's different money man. <laughs> it's very different money well, yeah with the technology too is streaming like that's yeah. like, like there's no pay-per-views on dazzin i pay now nine down a month and i can watch yeah. the biggest fights of the year yep all right yeah so, so they're, they're doing a cool thing man i'm a big fan of, of them Mm-hmm. That's that's one of the things that's uh, actually wrestling and a lot of grappling stuff is a feasible way to make money now because you have a lot of these chances to do competitions to audiences who actually care about wrestling. So you can broadcast uh, f- like Flow Grappling, Flow Wrestling. Those are those are some channels that put together tournaments and have events and guys go head to head. They have championships. A lot of people watch. Uh, Eddie Bravo has a. A, uh, a couple things going on. There's Quintet, um, Suge Underground. There's a lot of like just straight up grappling events that guys are making money now. Huh. That is that's good, man. I I'm I'm just such a, a big fan of all this stuff that's happening mm-hmm. and shaking it, shaking the game up. Um, decentralization, I think that's what. Yeah. Maybe. Right, because I mean, the, 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 yeah. Uh, like no one, no one's interested in decentralizing. You know the the big the big sports because because those guys for the most part that they, they live great lives. Like all you got to do is get to the league and you're kind of good. Uh, well, I mean, they, they went through their growing pains though because they had to uh, fight to get to the point where they can get fifty percent of the revenue. Yeah, it wasn't oh, for sure. It was, it was a it was a big, but, but they're they're gonna. So no one's. They already took care of them. Now yeah. you know. I, I think I think we're gonna see a lot of changes over the next, especially the next ten years. Uh, with guys coming in, but their followings and and decentralized and, and wait till the promoters figure out that, like the local promoters, wait till they figure out that like all they need is is one guy with ten thousand followers. <laughs> yeah, like. Then they're going to be ten thousand. That's not a lot, but if you get one, if you get you know. No, I mean you're selling tickets, especially if you're selling pay per view or you're selling something to watch digitally. 100%, yeah, that's big. Like that is going to change things for mm. the better, and it's going to be you know it's going to be great for everybody involved, man. Because that, that's one of the that's I think that's one of the things why you don't see a lot of the big a lot a lot of things in boxing. Uh, the, the promoters know they're not getting this lion's share of the profits the way they do in MMA. So like they don't they don't want to put the effort into 
promoting the box. That's why, <laughs> no. that's why the box has his own tickets. They're like, they are promoters the- in name only. Yeah, yeah juice, like- juice isn't worth the squeeze to them. And the boxers, a lot of them haven't figured out that they need to be doing what the, the Paul brothers are doing. They need to be building up their uh, out-of-ring personas, and they need to build up their, their social medias, and they need everybody knowing who they are. I think uh, there's a – what's the one guy? Um, the young guy's got a pretty good social media game. He's a golden boy. Oh, I know you're talking about. Uh, he trains with Canelo, Canelo sometimes. Ryan. Oh, you talking? About, oh, yeah, yeah, I know Ryan you're talking about because he, no. he's talking. Garcia. Garcia. Ryan he's talking Garcia. About, yeah, because uh, he's always going back and forth with uh with Javante Davis, and who's got a pretty good social media game too. I mean, but, but like that's the thing. Man. Social like, media. You have to take on the you have to take on the the role of promoter because yeah. the promoter doesn't want to do it. And that's that's what's going to get guys the money that the Jake Pauls and and his brother are pulling in, and that's the same thing that these MMA fighters are going to have to do. Also, I mean that's one of the reasons why Conor McGregor is mm-hmm. so popular. You know, he won some big fights when he needed to, but at the same time, his like out of the cage antics and his social media presence and his and his PR game is top notch. Yeah. That is is something else, man. I just I hope I don't know. I hope I hope that everybody I hope these guys realize that that the uh the days of just showing up to the to the fight and uh, winning. Yeah, that's yeah, over. Just, just being mean? good and winning. That the that used to be that used to get you and boxing can still get you some cred because you know you, you get a, you get to own your rank. You know, you, you you do well. You make a name for yourself by winning. Like you'll get better fights. You'll get a little bit more. But like you're never gonna make the money unless you you become outlandish, kind of like a Mayweather. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But but you know, it's cool, man. There there's so much of it to go around now, and I think, yeah. I think and it's because because the internet it makes it makes everybody it just gives gives everyone just such a great reach. We we are we are truly in the, in the greatest. In the greatest era of yeah, it's like uh, it's the, no different than uh people discovering you know boats <laughs> right yeah right? you get get, get so now you can travel and the, you, your, your whole village opened up to like wherever you could get to on the water and then airplanes and then yep. and then satellites and, and then... internet you can get there on from the seat of your couch crazy so but on, on that note on that yeah, note man. i do have to take off man i want to yeah, post time i gotta get some Sorry, I didn't keep it too late, but that was an awesome talk. I no, no problem, man. Hey, I appreciate you for having me, man, for sure. We uh, last second, days. anything that you want to uh, tell everybody to check out? You know, just, just check me out on, on you know social media, man. I'm at everywhere, at Lattimore and uh, all places. So hopefully I see you around. Awesome. That's awesome, man. Thanks for coming. I'm going to play these guys out. And uh, I'll see you on the interwebs, and we'll have to do this again sometime. All right, man. I'll see you. Peace out. Right, later. That's awesome. Ed is a cool dude, super smart. I I still can't get over the fact that he was a professional boxer while he was getting his physics degree. That's insane. It's insane to me. He's like calculating the trajectory of his punches, like how hard he has to hit your brain. That's pretty awesome. Hey guys, that was a really smart conversation keep the exit really smart and classy.
It's a very high IQ conversation. I hope you guys uh, enjoyed it. I like talking to smart people. Sam, all day tonight, folks. Oh, thanks for joining us. That was awesome.